in uh, Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9, uh, I'll get to my message here in a minute, but I got this by the Spirit of God moving us into. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, you know this scripture. It says this, uh, Because if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus is Lord, and shalt, pre and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Verse 10 says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, confession is something that, you know, can be a positive or a negative. You know, most of the time when we think confession, a lot of times if we're, you know, thinking religion, we think about going to the priest, sitting in the little booth, and we're doing our confessions. Well, what is that confession? That is a negative. Pr priest, you know, Holy Father, forgive me for I have, right? But that's not positive. I mean, if you're confessing you've sinned, that's not a good day, okay, in that context. You know, it's like, I blew it. I made a mistake, all right? So, and a lot of times we think that line when we're talking confession, you know, it's a negative confession. You know, we're saying something negative. Well, you understand, you can say positive things. Because Romans 10, 9 and 10, that is a positive confection, confession, okay? And this literally means, you know, it says again in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, which it can literally be translated like this, make a covenant with your mouth, which really is you are agreeing with the covenant because you're saying Jesus is Lord, so you're saying I agree with the covenant that I'm getting into because I acknowledge that Jesus Christ died that he shed his blood for my sin, my transgression, my disobedience. I, I acknowledge that. And I acknowledge because he paid that price, I laid down my life, my way of doing it, my, um, the direction I was going to try to be right with God or not believe there was a God at all and I think I'm fine because when I die, nothing actually happens. I repent from that, change that thinking. I acknowledge that God has established a covenant with me so that I make him Lord of my life. He is now the one whom I follow. He is love. He cares for me. My steps are going to be ordered of him, which means they'll be perfect steps. I'll get in perfect peace. I'll have the best life ever because before I was even in my mother's womb, he knew me. He knew the plan he had for me. And I acknowledge this covenant that I'm stepping out into it. But that comes with confession. And this word confession has this meaning as well. It means to say out loud or to speak, okay? And unfortunately, if we don't watch out, the church will lose a voice. You know, a lot of times we will ask Jesus to be our Lord, but then we won't be as confident to confess other things God actually tells us to confess. Because God used not only our heart which means we believe with our heart, we're completely in faith that Christ came. We believe God at his word, that he died on the cross and on the third day was raised from the dead. It caused faith to come in us. We believe it. We're firmly persuaded. You cannot tell me it did not happen. The spirit of truth has acknowledged it, has illuminated inside me. I know it's truth. I know it's there. And now as a result of that, I am saying without being ashamed, that Jesus is my Lord, and I don't care who knows. My allegiance is with him. Now, we all know when we did that, we became new creatures in Christ Jesus. Something on the inside changed in us. We came alive. Amen. How many of you remember that day? Yeah, I remember that day. We came alive. 
Hallelujah. We came alive. Well, do you understand anything or things that we acquire or walk in the things of God? In essence, God's saying, now that you've tapped into the kingdom, because Jesus said to uh, um, um, Nicodemus, he said, now listen, unless a man's born again, he won't even see the kingdom of God. He won't be able to enter. Now he's given us the entrance. In essence, if you want to know the address of where the kingdom is, is salvation. It's not a physical address. It's a confessional address. Salvation is the address that gets you to the kingdom of God. Now, once you confess and you have made Jesus Lord and your salvation is yours, now you are there in the kingdom because it's not a physical place to date that we see. But it is a spiritual place that's in operation today, and you're able to enter into it and now begin to walk in faith. And God says, this is how you access my kingdom by faith through a confession. It's the same way you'll access every blessing I have by faith through confession. So the believer should have a voice is what I'm saying. We should have a voice. We shouldn't be timid. We shouldn't, you know, uh, let go of our voice. We should say, man, we got a voice. We need to say something. Amen. And the Bible is very clear that we should be speaking. All right? Because faith talks. Faith is not quiet and say, well, I'm not going to say anything because once it happens, then people will know. No, faith, nothing's going to happen if faith's not talking. Okay? Faith talks. Well, let's see this in Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 17, it says this, As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him whom believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and what? Calls into being that which does not exist. So God says something before we see it. God did this with Abraham because he was Abram. And he had no covenant child, but he said, no, I'm making you a father of many nations. Your wife, Sarah, is the one who changed her name to, uh, is going to be the one who's going to have a child. And so you start telling everybody you're Abraham, the father of many nations, though he had no heir. And for years, he went around calling himself Abraham, introduced himself as Abraham. He's the father of many nations, Okay. He's the father of many nations. Now, let's look at this passage of Scripture in some other translation. The King James Version says it this way, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He has no evidence. In fact, every time he's with his wife and every year goes by, it seems as if it's not going to happen. He has more natural evidence. It will not be as God said, Yet he did not let that move him, and he kept saying, I'm the father of many nations. He kept calling it. He would call these things. He didn't, he didn't grow weak in faith because God has the capacity, has the capacity to be able to bring an unseen into the scene, and he does it through our confession of faith. The New Living Translation says it this way, latter part of the verse, and who creates new things out of nothing. What does God do? Create new things out of nothing. In the beginning, God said, and there was. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When he did that, he created it. We know it was out of the, uh, the position of speaking, and he would speak, and things would move and happen. And we see this through the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. When God is speaking, 
When God said a word, it came to pass. In fact, the Bible tells us there's not one thing that the Lord said to Israel concerning his promises that did not come to pass. So he's calling something that be, uh, that be not as though it were. He's calling them his covenant nation and that he's given them a land that's flowing with milk and honey when they're not even there. Right? When they're not even there. So this is how God operates. Jesus does the same thing. The disciples would do the same thing. Okay? And that's how we are today. Amplified says it this way, and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Now, not too long ago on Wednesday night, we ministered a message on just because it's not seen doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Again, in our room right now, there are things existing that we don't see, but we're benefiting from the fact that they're here. Right? And oxygen is one. Amen? In fact, cold air is another. We are benefiting from an, two air-conditioned units that are set above us that is cooling the temperature so that it feels at this climate right now. Because if we had shut those off, it would be totally different. We'd have a different temperature. So I don't see how it's working. I could bring Luke Taylor up here and he can explain to you how it works. He can give you knowledge how it works. But we're not actually seeing it works, but we are feeling the effects of it working. Okay? Same thing with oxygen. We don't see it. Uh, we can bring things in to test it, but our physical eyes won't see it. But we are enjoying the benefit of it by breathing. And we're alive right now. Okay? So, um, God has the capacity that just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not here. So just say what I say already exists, and you'll bring it from the unseen into the seen. Okay? The Weiss translation says, and calls these things that are not in existence as being in existence. Now, here's the thing. Uh, let me read one more, and then I'll say another thing. The message Bible says it this way. With a word, uh, make something out of nothing. So the problem is, is that when we start confessing faith, a lot of times, if we don't watch out, we think we're lying to ourselves because we're calling something that naturally isn't actually happening, right? Mom, I'm going to make up the bed. You're going to make up the bed? I'm going to make up the bed. You, you haven't made up the bed. I'm making, I, I made the bed. I made the bed, Mom. You hadn't made the bed. You know, you're lying to me, right? Well, they could be speaking faith. <laughs> but we say things like when it comes to our bodies, right? You know, well, I'm healed. But your body is screaming at you, okay? But what does the Word say about the health of the believer? What has taken place in Christ already? And that is, by his stripes ye, you were healed. Now, again, take it like salvation. Jesus, the day you came and asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, you confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. God the Father sitting in heaven with Jesus Christ at his right hand, all of a sudden says, well, Brian Atkins has made Jesus Lord. And he looks and says, go on down, Jesus. I got to go down there again. Got to go down there again. We got another one. So Jesus goes down again, gets up on the cross, dies again. Three days. We're tearing till, you know, Brian Atkins can get born again. 
because he's got to wait for three more days for him to be in the grave to come out of the grave for his sin. Well, we don't believe that. Obviously, we believe the scripture that once and for all, he paid that price. So when he comes, what Christ has done, he's able to receive how? By faith and through his confession. He's saying what God says that I do in order to be able to receive what God says is mine. And it's already a done deal. Well, the same things with healing. His blood has already been shed, poured out on the mercy seat. By his stripes, you were healed, so you are already healed. All you have to do is have the confession. And even if your body tells you today that's not so, you, through your faith confession, say you'll have to change. You'll have to change. So our confession is very important because if we begin to say how we feel instead of say what God says, then we'll have what we feel instead of have what God says instead. Call means, it says this, he calls those things that be not as though they were or call those things which do not exist as if they exist. Call means to call out loud. So this is not, did you hear what I said? I was saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. No, it's out loud. Okay, well, how are you doing, Raphael? You know what? My body has symptoms. The fact is, I'm running a fever. But here's my confession of faith. Now, it's not about ignoring. It's about declaring. And sometimes, you, you need to get specifics so that you can be very deliberate to speak to some things. So there's nothing wrong with you going to the doctor because if you're standing and saying, by his stripes I'm healed, and you're calling yourself healed, and you have exactly what God has spoken to you to say for healing to be made available and you're not seeing a result, it'd be better for you to go get some um, um, more information so that now you can say, okay, what's going on? Amen. And we're getting a little bit more about specifics of talking here in a minute, but it's still saying something. You've got to release it. You've got to say something with your voice, okay? So Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21 says this, with the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. Um, he will be satisfied with the production of his lips. Death and life, death and life are because we're on the planet. No, what's the scripture say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And this word tongue in the Hebrew means it's in your speech. It's in what you're saying. So you can't have what you say. Okay? You can have what you say. Now, there's a, a particular lady out there. I was talking to my son just briefly uh, before I came in that um, there are studies right now that you take a person and they can map the brain that a person that is negative, I'm no good, I'll never amount to nothing, I'm never going to make anything, I'm so stupid, I'm so dumb, and they say that about themselves. If anybody's going to be getting trouble, it's me. If anybody's going to have bad luck, it's me. You know, I I just have the worst luck. I'm just, everything falls apart with me. You know, everything goes wrong. You know, I'm no good. You watch that person's brain activity, it begins to deteriorate. Their body begins to deteriorate, everything about them. Then you get someone who's just positive. You know, well, I'm lovely. I'm beautiful. You're a great person. You know, just talk positive affirmation. Their, their body, their brain will change and will actually um, remap itself. 
But if, that's, if you take a brain that actually starts quoting Scripture, it exponentially changes the brain and switches it. There was a testimony of a guy back, in the, back a long time ago, you know, uh, trains still run today. Uh, but, uh, but back in the day, a lot of people used to jump trains to be able to get city to city. And a particular guy jumped a train and uh, got into um, a car and the door shut and they realized they were in a cold car, a cooler. Well, it was cold, okay, already. Well, they got stuck and became convinced that they're not getting out. No one's here. And they froze to death. They opened them up, and they had died of hypothermia. But they had checked the freezer unit, and it wasn't on. Their mind convinced them that they were freezing to death, and they did it. Because they believed, they believed they were locked in a freezer, even though in the natural they were not. The mind's a powerful thing. How much more is it when the Word of God's in it? Hallelujah. How much more when the Word of God is in it? So death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have to watch what we say. We are in a society today that you sh people want to say whatever they want to say. And we've gotten to a society today that, that verifying truth is not even necessary. Just say it anyway. You know, because if someone finally figures it out, we'll bury that and bring another lie up. Well, it shouldn't surprise us because the father of lies is the devil, and this is what he does. Well, how are you going to combat lies? You must speak truth. But you can't just think on it only. You've got to release it with your mouth as well. Because the believer has a voice. And we need to take that voice and release that voice. Now, the thing about our voice and the world's voice is that the world substantiates their voice with everything they see. Natural evidence becomes pretty, pretty real. But the believer has to call those things that be not as though they were. Then when it goes there, people will see you had what you say because God's word came to pass in your life. But again, uh, that doesn't mean people will believe God. How many of you were here when Pastor Craig was here? How many of you are still walking free from the symptoms when he laid hands on you? Amen. Now... With that being said, you can testify to someone that I had this condition, but God's word through he I went in faith, they laid hands on me, and I'm now healed of that. Well, now somebody naturally is going to be like, well, I didn't know you had it. Can you show me a doctor report? I mean, you understand, they're always wanting something natural to support what you're saying. Well, for as many people who've died of cancer, we can talk to you about people who have been completely free from cancer because the power of God set them free. Amen. For as many people who have died in a car accident, we can talk to you about people, how God delivered people out of an accident and saved their lives. But it's easier for us to believe tragedy because we see it so often and to believe lies because we hear it so often that if we don't watch out, we'll start saying it too. 
And the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. So if you're saying things that are not in line with the word, you might want to check what you're listening to. Amen. Because I have en enough natural uh, situations that I am that tell me contrary to what I'm actually believing, but I have a voice that's in, in me called the Holy Spirit that's only telling me what King Jesus is saying. And when I hear that voice, I can declare that voice and it has to come to pass because God's word never fails. So again, when situations are happening, before we blame the devil or blame God, though sometimes the devil is at work. There's no doubt about that, okay? Then when I say blame God, we're saying a lot of times we blame God of not doing something when the reality is God says, I'm, I'm tied because of what you're saying. Now, let, let's say it this way. Do we all believe that God wants everyone born again? Yes. yes. The scripture literally says that he desires that none would perish. He desires that. But will people perish? Unfortunately, yes. But why will they? Is it because God di didn't have enough blood to go around? His forgiveness was like, sorry, <laughs> you're at the back of the line, man. I ran out of forgiveness. I mean, is that the case? No. So why does a person be eternally separated from God? Because they made the cho choice to not believe. And how did they not believe? By believing with their heart and confessing with their mouth, saying, I want everybody to know Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. All right? So it's very important. So, the, so death then is in their tongue, not in Jesus's. Jesus is not sentencing them to death. They sentence themselves. They took the alternative. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. So if we want what God says about us, now that we've entered in the kingdom, then we have to find out what is God saying about us. And now when I start seeing it, the thing is God can paint a totally different image of me than I believed about myself. Because here's the thing. I knew Earl when he wasn't renewed in his mind and living right. Okay? And I can talk about the old man. But I'm a new man. So I have to go to God and say, who am I? And so when, and it's no different than you do with your kids, right? Or you do with students or you do with someone that you're seeing having a bad day. You're sitting at a restaurant and your waiter or waitresses is obviously having a very bad day. And you're like, hey, you know what? It's going to be all right. You know, you're doing fine. Are you lying to them? Well, yeah, you are because they're having a bad day. They may have served you bad. And you're like, you know, you're trying to encourage them. You're trying to call something that be not as though you're trying to turn their situation around. How? With your words. They spill stuff all day. I remember one time we went to a restaurant, uh, my wife and I, my mother-in-law, and my kids, we were up in Atlanta. And uh, we were, where were we at? Like a Quincy's or something like that. And anyway, she was there, and this guy was uh, about my same height, but 200 pounds. He was jacked. And I thought, so that's what I look like at 200. My, I remember that. So anyway, but he had came in and dumped the tray of drinks on my mother-in-law. I rejoiced. No, I'm kidding. I did not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I did not. I have a great relationship with my, my mother-in-law. Right. Huh? She's with the babies tonight? Okay, that's why I can say it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we get along real good. 
Anyway, he, he dumped it all over her. Now, we could have said, you're the sorriest. I mean, by natural, we could have. She was so polite to him. She was like, it's okay. You know, now on the inside, she could have said, you're a jerk. You are a jerk. I cannot. But she didn't say what she could have said. He went and got her a shirt, you know. They gave her one from the restaurant. You know, she went and changed. He very apologetic. Obviously, he felt bad about it. But, you know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. So you begin to turn things how? With your words. A lot of times you want your situation to turn around and you're waiting on God. God's waiting for you to say. Because the Bible tells us in James that the tongue is like a rudder. This small little thing can turn this ship. Now, the thing is, is if you're in a little John boat, right, it's only a little dinghy, right, you can whip that thing around and, you know, you're in the other direction. But if you've been confessing and you've created this, this Titanic of negative junk. Now you're going to have to start talking different. And that I'm telling you, if you stay with the confession... All of a sudden, you may seem like we've gone another miles and it's garbage. Well, guess what? That rudder is turning the ship. And that thing will turn around if you will not stop it. Stop by saying, well, uh, we're not, we'll just keep going this way then. No, keep the ship turning. Turn that thing. Keep turning that thing. And you'll turn your life around if you'll say what God says about you in every circumstance, but it requires faith to do that. It's not just saying, because it's not mental assent. I'm smart, I'm smart, I'm so smart. You are a smart person. I'm not saying look in the mirror and say you're smart, but you can look in the mirror and say, now, Father, your word says, your word says now, that if a man lacks wisdom, I ask you, and Lord, you know <laughs> that I've lacked some wisdom and some decision-making. And I don't want that. I want to know what I need to know in this circumstance. So I trust you that you're going to give it to me with liberality. You're not like holding back and saying, no, I like you. You're the dumb one. No, I want you to be smart. I want you to know this, right? And if you'll keep that up and keep that up and you stay with it and you don't let go of it, then guess what? All of a sudden, bing, there it is. The light bulb goes on, the illumination and there it is because you didn't turn and say, ah, I'm never going to learn it. Right? Students can't do this. Yeah. Sit down. I'm never going to get it. I'm, you look at your children and say, you're going to get it. Yeah. You will get it. You know why you'll get it? Because the Bible says. Now, what does the king want? He wants you wise. He wants you understanding. And let them get in. Then all of a sudden, God will cause one of those verses to fly off the page. One of them that you're saying will all of a sudden leap on the inside of them, and now that's the king speaking to them personally by the Holy Ghost, and they can latch hold of that thing, and there it is. All right? So death and life are in the power of our tongue. Let's go ahead and keep the rudder going in the direction of life. So why Joshua said, I set before you life and choose, because it's easy to talk death. Okay? Proverbs 6, 2 says it this way. If you have been snared with the words of your mouth... Uh, 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 have been caught with the words of mouth. Okay, you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your... Your words have the capacity to trap you. I mean, the devil is great to get you with a bunch of stuff. More people have fallen into sexual immorality, not just because of lust, but because of what they entertained when they went out with someone. 
Now, I was a youth pastor at the time, but, you know, there was a, a hip-hop artist that came out with this song. His name was Nelly, and it says, it's, it's getting hot in here. How many of y'all know that song? Y'all know that song, huh? <laughs> okay. Anyway, I was thanking God I was redeemed. Because if I would have been the carnal earl that I was in high school, that had been, I meant I'd have picked somebody up. That thing would have went in the tape deck right there. We didn't have CDs back then. It went in the tape deck. I mean, you're meditating on these thoughts, these words. Baby, it is getting hot in here. <laughs> Your air condition is not on. <laughs> I mean, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, you, people are listening to these things. They go on and watch MTV. They go on and watch, you know, The Bachelor, Bachelorette. They're watch. What are they keeping in front? They're saying the same. Well, this don't, I just, I just like the sound. You know, I mean, these words don't, the words affect you. You watch too much Fox News, it affects you. You watch too much CNN. I don't care what your news source is. If you watch too much, it will it affect you. And you will begin to get snared with it. Because it's, it's one thing to say, man, that ain't right. But if you say, that's not right, not in the spirit of love. Now, even though you say the right thing, you're not right and you're saying it. So we got to watch what we say, and the believer should. Now, here's the kicker. The reason why our words are so powerful is because it sets the course of our life. But here's the real thing. Your words are powerful without God. But when you begin to say what he says, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. The reason why marriages don't stay together is because someone started to make the confession, I don't love them anymore. They entertained it in their mind, began to speak it with their mouth. And they would see things, well, I don't like the way they dress anymore. I don't like the way they do their hair anymore. And I don't like the way they snore anymore. And I don't like the... And then you begin to say everything about them. Well, you're just rude. Right? Now, that may be factually correct. But do you want them rude? Then why don't we call them something else? Well, then I'd be lying about it. I'm not asking you to lie. I'm asking you to get God's word for that situation. Because your negative word will take you somewhere. A positive word can help to a degree. But God's word will change the world. It'll change the world. Ecclesiastes 8.4 tells us this. Where the word of a king is, there's power. So I, I, through my walk with God, I learned it's probably less of me saying and more of him saying. So, but again, if he's saying, he's got to use my vocal cords. Now, can God speak without me? Meaning, could, could God boom from heaven just like he did when Jesus, you know, was baptized? And the, this is Earl, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Earl, thank you for, you know, believing me for this. Or, Earl, I need you to believe this. Earl, I will do that. I mean, he could say that, but he doesn't do that. Very rarely. Is he doing that? It's in my inner man, in the still small voice, 
I hear God say. I hear him say. And when I hear him say, now I have his authority for that. And if I will say what he has said, then it will be as he has spoken. Right? So let's look at this last passage of Scripture. It's found in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Okay? Hebrews chapter 4. We'll start in verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active. What is it? It's living and active. What is it? What is it? What is it? So the word of God is living and active. So if you're not speaking God's word, then it would sound like this. For your word or your, what you say that's not God's word is dead and inactive. Now, or we would say it this way, is dead and activates death. Because it's not inactive, it produces death. So it's actively separating you from the life of God and the blessings of God and the things that are yours by right, a birthright, by being a citizen in the kingdom because you're saying something that the king's not saying. I don't have a right to tell myself I'm stupid. Though there are times I feel that way. I'm the worst when I make a mistake. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did that. You know, and one of mine is like missing an exit. Oh, I, you, I hate that. You know, you're going, all of a sudden you got, and you realize, oh, that was my exit. Now you realize I'm fixing to do 10 miles. And for the next 10 miles, I mean, I'm, the words that are in my mind are not edifying. You are an absolute idiot. I cannot believe you did not. Oh, my gosh. You are, oh, I mean, it's just like a barrage of thoughts for something silly, right? I'd already be, I'd already be, oh, I just, you hate to do a stupid mistake, but yet I don't have a right to call myself that. Well, I forgive myself, and I have to say those things, because I don't feel that way. I'm a human being, too. I try to be purposeful, and missing an exit, and, and I don't usually say, well, the Lord probably wanted me to do this. Well, if he did, he probably told me. Most of the time, you know what I'm saying? Now, I can't miss him and be like, well, you know, it's probably more God than I thought. Okay, thank you, Lord. I didn't realize it. But a lot of times, you're like, just keep on going, son. Good, because I didn't have to go through the emotional stress of thinking I missed it. <laughs> My point is, is that you, you shouldn't beat yourself up because God's called you something. Why should you call yourself something else? Right? The words of your daddy and your mama should not ring louder in you and, and come from your mouth more than the words of your heavenly Father who's never failed you. Okay? So the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow. It means it dissects the threefold nature of man and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And get this, verse 13, there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Meaning, God is examining us, looking at us, so he knows when we're in faith and when we're not. He knows when we're speaking his word and when we're not. He knows when we're speaking his word but not in faith. He knows when we're speaking our own words and not his word. He knows when you start going down a road that he's never asked you to get on. And he's not taking you down to teach you something. You're on your own personal detour. And he's trying to get you rerouted. Rerouting. Ah, quit it. I'll find my own way, right? 
No, you might want to stop and listen, okay? Now, obviously, Siri and a lot of those others aren't always correct in theirs, just to let you know. And sometimes, Siri, I know that I'm not going on the right route because I'm choosing to make a detour and get a Krispy Kreme donut. But that was back in the day. Hadn't been, hadn't been any time soon. No, not even last week. Hasn't even been soon. I had great victory the other day when I went out to the panhandle because we came through Tallahassee. What is right, Christopher? And I resisted it. Okay, those donuts are different, Pastor Marcy. Those were a totally different donut, Pastor Marcy. I'm talking Krispy Kreme. I'm not talking about Pastor Craig. Do you know they got many donuts downtown? <laughs> they do. Is that what it's called? Yeah, me and Pastor Craig walked in there and was like, what is this? <laughs> right? It's not a Krispy Kreme. So I tried it. They were pretty good. But they weren't Krispy Kreme. I can tell you that. <laughs> Thanks. Nothing safe. Nothing safe on this platform. Nothing safe. <laughs> we live in a glass box. You know that. Amen. Okay. Verse 14, though. Look, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us what? Hold fast our confession. This phrase, let us hold fast, means this. To cause a state to continue. To cause a state to continue on the basis of some authority or power. The phrase... Let us hold fast, let us hold fast, let us hold fast means to cause a state to continue on the basis of some authority or power. It means to hold or to keep. This comes from another Greek word which means this, the power to rule or control. It has the word dominion in it. So in essence, let us hold fast means to get possession uh, of, to get possession of by right of dominion. So in essence, when we're calling those things that be not as though they were, we're saying what God says is ours because we're in the kingdom and it's something the kingdom has for its citizens. It may not be for everybody to be able to walk in continually. When you become a child of God, you can continually walk in the blessings of God. When you're out in the world, God will allow his blessings to, to manifest in your life just so you can turn and say, I want this all the time. It's to show his goodness, but you can't operate in it continually because your mouth is far from God because your spirit, man, will speak of what you are accustomed to. Now, that's why it's so important for the believer to renew their mind or, or to get their, their, their thought life together because we should not be saying something different than what God is saying. And God's saying, my word's alive. It's active, guys. It knows when you're in faith, and I'm looking for you wanting to hear your voice of faith. The voice of faith. The spirit of faith. I want to hear it. Now, know this. You have a high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Hold fast what? Your confession of faith or exactly what God, your confession, which is, I'm saying what my king told me to say. Why are we doing this? Because, look at verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. I'll give you a case in point with Jesus. Jesus walked around and boldly said, in three days, I'll be raised up. Well, that's pretty easy when you're eating bread, eating fish, and hanging out with people. I'm going to die, but in the third day, I'll be raised from the dead. When you're sleeping somewhere, you know, when you're eating, when you're seeing mirror, life seems to be good. But then, all of a sudden, you're in a garden, and you know an event's taking place. And you're saying, can we do this different? But not my will, but your will be done, right? Now, it's another thing that all of a sudden they grab you, they start pulling on your beard, so they start punching you in the face. They start ripping the flesh out of your back. What do you think his body started telling him then? You're going to die. You're going to die. You a dead man. Right? And he's got to believe his word is going to have enough power to get himself out. Now, he's spoken and got a girl up out, out of the dead uh, before, Lazarus from the dead, another son uh, that had died and left the mom, the widow. He saw those come, but now I got to get myself. You understand, he got, goes under the same emotional pressure. Well, I prosper. Then all of a sudden, you get your, 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 wa your water heater goes down, you, you get a flat tire, and then this comes, and you're like, man, Okay, when we had it in the bank, I'm prosperous, but all of a sudden now, situations have happened in your life that exceed what you have. What are you saying now? Now, I heard my king speak to me right at the end of first year that my wife and I went to Ramah. And so, we finished our first year. The first year was completely paid for by someone else. Another couple had done it and blessed us before we left uh, Florida. And so here I am making just enough money, her and I, to pay our rent, to pay our electric water, to get some food on the table, um, to do maybe every two or three months something with our kids that we actually pay for because the majority of it, we did things that were free. Not doing a whole lot. Putting gas in your vehicle, paying insurance. I mean, we just survived it, really. Loving God, loving the Word. But so I'm thinking, okay, how do I get tuition for next year? And in prayer, the Lord said, don't save a dime. I'll take care of it. Well, now, I followed that idea. I began to, then I began to say, thank you, Lord, that you are taking care of our tuition. I don't have to save for it. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me tell you what I did to keep... I did invest in the economic system. We tithed. I would give an offering. You know, I'm not telling you I did it every time, but I did do offerings above the tithe, but I did tithe. I gave God what was his. And then I'm believing, I'm saying, Lord, I thank you. And I'm saying it, and I'm saying it, and I'm saying it. And two weeks out, no money, no nothing. So a thought came. And my wife communicated the thought. Now, this was not her confession of faith, but yet she released the thought that we could have began to camp on. She said, well, maybe you should go and, and finish out the year, then I could go after. Well, then I started hearing Pastor Hagen's voice. 
You start Rhema, you know, Rhema's a two-year school. So when you start it, you finish it. Okay, so, so for me, that's not an option. Plus, I reminded her, I said, the Lord said he'd take care of it. So we got an agreement there. We took that, we, that was humanity. That was pressures of life. That was, we said, but we realized we can't say this. Because death and life are in the power of our tongue, and the only way we're going to stop it from happening is if we start saying something different. Okay? Tom, would you stand? Tom, come here to me. Come closer. Tom, stop. Back up. Back, back up. Back. Just keep backing up. Go on. Just keep backing up. Back up some more. Back up. Keep going. You're doing a good job, Tom. Keep... No, come here. Come here, Tom. Come this way. Tom, come. Come, Tom. Tom, come. Tom, come. Tom, come. Tom... Nope, go. Go. Back up. Back up. That's what you're doing with the things of God. If you don't stay on your confession. Some, he would, your thing was almost there. And a lot of times when it's just about to break forth, the natural begins to say, it will not happen. In fact, it'll get louder. I'll give you a case in point. Thank you, Tom. You can sit down. The closer that Israel was to defeat the Philistines, the louder the Philistine got. From a distance, he would say, bring down your best one, we'll fight. Bring down your best one, we'll fight. And David says, I've killed the lion and the bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistines, the father of the army of God? He'll be no different. So, from the mountaintop, when the Goliath's down the valley, he looks kind of small. But then when the teenage boy gets out there on the field, guess what? Goliath looks pretty big. Hmm. And then he begins to talk to him personally. Before, it was like, okay, we'll serve you if you kill me. You know, that's a pretty good option. All I got to do is kill you. Until you get closer and think, there's no way I'll kill this. Oh, there's situations in your life, the closer you get, it seems like there's just no way. And a lot of times, we don't release the stone or the word of God because Jesus is the rock to go ahead and penetrate that thing because the, the enemy got louder. He says, he goes, you come at me with a dog. He said, I'm going to cut you. I mean, he made it personal. Uh, situations start getting personal. Well, you can't believe that. You say, and, but David yelled louder. His confession was, you come to me with a sword and a, uh, uh, a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to cut your head off. And then I'm going to kill everybody behind you. I mean, his faith was big. It's like, this ain't about you because I know you a liar. And I know when I kill you, they're going to run. So I'm going to have to go run them down and kill them. That's big faith right there. David's faith was, I'm, be I'm beyond you, man. We're taking out the army. And then he ran to him. So he just said, I'm going even faster. I don't know if the guy yelled or not. I assume he Marby would have, you know, because you go to war and you're battling. I don't think you go quietly unless you're a ninja. He wasn't a ninja. <laughs> Goliath was not a ninja. So it wasn't, it wasn't like that. David was coming. <laughs> right? Killed him. So we have to keep saying, here's the thing. We have a high priest that has been in every emotional stress condition you've been in. Yet... He's telling you, keep your confession because I have been in the same stressful situation and I kept my mouth in line with my father. 
You say, remember what I said? I don't speak anything on my own initiative, but only what my Father says. Here's the problem. Don't you go picking the Scriptures. Get in the Scriptures and let God start picking the Scripture for you. Then when he says, this is the one you stand on, now you've heard from the king. And when you've heard from the king, boom, it will come to pass. I said, it will come to pass. Verse 16, therefore, let us draw near with what? Confidence. This word confidence means boldness. It means boldness. It means boldness. It means boldness. Last verse, it means boldness. And this word boldness means all outspokenness. So we as believers... We draw near with boldness, outspokenness to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find, and find, that means when we seek it, we get it, grace to help in time of need. In essence, what is boldly going before the throne of grace? We're submitting ourselves to God's word through reading it and in prayer and praying in the spirit because sometimes you don't know how you ought to pray, so you pray in the spirit. When you pray in the spirit, all of a sudden, the king will start talking. uh, Sometimes you get up in the Word and you're going through and all of a sudden that Scripture says, boom, you realize, that's it. I've read through this Scripture a hundred times, but now it's talking to me. You know, Scripture talked to you. And when it starts talking, that is the one. I said, that is the one.